Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to a realm where business insights meet the personal touch. I'm your host, Malika, and you just tune into the exciting world of SuitUp. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm going to be recording the second episode of the series Ace the Application, and this one focuses on drafting application answers. Um, so I invited Serena Reed, who is a graduate recruitment advisor at HSF, a leading firm in dispute resolution and cross-border work. And she's going to share a bit of advice about how to answer different application questions. And this is quite a special episode because we get an opinion of someone in graduate recruitment. Um, Hi, Serena. Hi. Hi, Malika. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming. So let's just start a bit to talk about you. How long have you been in graduate recruitment? You know, what, um, why did you decide to go into this career? Yeah, so I've been in graduate recruitment for five years um, in various um, kind of sectors and industries. So I've only been in law for coming up to three years, about two and a half years now. Um, and obviously currently at Herbert Smith Freehills, but before that I was at Mayor Brown. Um, that was my first graduate recruitment role in law. Um, so, yeah, I knew I wanted to go into HR, um, but there's obviously lots of different uh, kind of teams that fall within that, lots of different subgroups. And I did an internship and that allowed me to obviously get experience of different parts of HR. And then once I came across uh, careers, graduate recruitment, whatever, to give it that's when I was like oh this is what I want to do it's it's much nicer being on the other side of things <laughs> having done assessment centers and stuff myself I was like oh yeah this is actually really interesting um and a bit more exciting than kind of your normal lateral experienced higher recruitment um so that's that's why I decided on grad rec and I've been in it ever since and so what does your job kind of entail like what do you do as um, a graduate recruitment advisor yeah so i always say that graduate recruitment um is a really varied role and has elements that would be jobs in itself or combined in one so we obviously the recruitment side of things so i run vacation schemes um i screen applications um i move people through our applicant tracking system, so sending online tests, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of admin involved. Um, I put on events. Um, I liaise with universities, sponsoring societies, go to the events. Sometimes I have to speak at said events. Um, there's the marketing attraction side of things. So we have, um, at least at HSF, we have an Instagram platform. Other firms might have Twitter, etc posting on there um, and going to law fairs to actually speak to students, to get them engaged. Um, Even managing the mailbox can take (laughs) a good chunk of your time um, answering queries that come in, uh, managing our website, um, putting on assessment centres, interviewing at some of the assessment centres I've done in the past. So there's a lot of different elements that fall under graduate recruitment that maybe if you're not in it you wouldn't really realize but we we do everything and 
at my last firm, I also looked after seat rotations and the qualification process once trainees actually joined, um, which which is a kind of job in itself. And at my current firm, that's a different team, thankfully. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you can be involved in what we would call the end-to-end process of students uh, to vacation scheme, to trainee, to newly qualified associate. That sounds like a lot of work, but it sounds really interesting, actually. So how was your experience in law and HSF specifically? Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I think because it is a large international firm, there's scope to do a lot when it comes to graduate recruitment, um, securing what we call top talent or, you know, the best students in the market to come as trainees we have that attraction piece because we have really exciting work um, we're really strong on uh, diversity inclusion pro bono and all the other aspects that might attract students outside of just our disputes and corporate practices for example so i really enjoy it here um, i'm involved not just in graduate recruitment i help out um, with some of the diversity networks um, so I'm part of the Black Employee Network and the Social Mobility Network at the firm. Um, and also I'm part of the Dyslexia Dyspraxia um, support group as part of the Ability Network as well. Um, so there's lots of different things I can get involved in out of my day-to-day graduate recruitment role, which keeps it exciting. That's great to hear. So um, now I just wanted to kind of dive into the application uh, form drafting um i mean for people who haven't uh, ever done anything like that before i guess we'll start with kind of like the general overview of it what do, what does it actually um include you know how many parts does it have yeah so i'll speak more generally um so that it can apply to most firms that you might be applying to so it is kind of your CV. <laughs> so you do have to put in your work experience, your academic background, what grades you got university, but also the module breakdown um, of your course. You then also have to answer questions. Depending on the firm, it could be one question or it could be three or four. And those questions are designed to kind of get to know you, get to see your your motivation for applying to the role, um, what you're interested in, what you like about the firm, what skills you have, etc. Um, so I would say that's the the bulk of an application form that you might be filling in when applying uh, to a law firm for a vacation scheme or a training contract. It's capturing your your history to date, everything you've done, whether it be you know, volunteering to your degree, and then also a couple of questions to find out more about you as a candidate. Mm-hmm. So you would say that would be like, I guess, the first step of you presenting yourself as a candidate. Um, so it's really important, you know, to stand out and really have a great application to show, showcase your skills and um, any, you know, good characteristics that you have. Uh, and I definitely think, you know, it starts with grades and everything. But I think we don't really have to dive into grades because it kind of um, is quite obvious, you know, you have the requirements and you just 
um, have to get the grades for that. I think what what I want to focus more on is work experience and the supplemental questions that usually come with application forms. So with work experience, um, what do you usually expect from candidates when you review this part? Because I think some people might have confusion on whether you have to be more descriptive or a bit more reflective. So what is what is it usually like? Yeah, I had this specific question recently at an event um, we held at Herbert Smith Freehills this week, actually. Um, so I think it depends on law firm. So not every law firm is looking for the same thing in the work experience section, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's worth going to each law firm's kind of going on their websites or going to any application advice sessions they put on just in case it's different. But at Herbert Smith Freehills, in that section, we don't want you to just list everything you did. We would like you to write in full prose um, rather than bullet points and explain not just what you did, but what skills were develop, um, skills you developed um, from doing those tasks. So it doesn't have to be lengthy, but it could just be, for example, let's say you had a part-time job at a supermarket and that's in your work experience section. You just want to be talking about, well, I had to stack shelves, I had to work on the till, but this developed my organization skills or my customer service skills, that kind of thing. So it doesn't, you just need to explain what skills you gained from said work experience in that section. Would you bring up any like exper- specific experiences or any child like specific challenges that we faced to, I guess, allude to those skills? Or would you just say, I did this, hence I got these skills out of it? How specific do you want your candidates usually to be? Yeah, I wouldn't say you have to go into too much detail um, because we have, at least at HSF, we have free written questions where you can elaborate on on that work experience, if that makes sense. Because our third question is, um, what skills, qualities, and attributes do you have that you can bring to the role? Mm-hmm. So then you can go into more detail. In our work experience section, I would, yeah, keep it short and sweet as it were. Um, but again, not every law firm is yeah. the same. So. Well, what about the distinction between, I guess, extracurriculars and work experience? Because sometimes, you know, you can have, I guess, work experience that's not paid or some people would put volunteering. Is there like a strict criteria or should you or can you just kind of put anything on it? Yeah, so some law firms might have a specific section for that which makes it a lot easier. Um, We don't. So definitely put any volunteering, non-paid work experience, extracurricular activities in that section. Um, And so you could have one section that's volunteering and you can kind of put everything in that one kind of entry. But if you only done a few then you could separate them as like you would job roles on a cv it depends on the point that you're applying because obviously for say penultimate year students that apply to our vacation schemes they they don't tend to have as much experience so they can separate each Mm -hmm. kind of extracurricular volunteering 
opportunity and put that separately. Whereas if you're a graduate, you might have done a lot more. So then you might have to start grouping things. We also advise grouping open days or insight events um, at the different firms um, and any virtual work experience programs would advise grouping them as well so we can see them all in one place um, unless you've only done one yeah. <laughs> in which case you don't have to group it but yeah those are some of the ways that I guess you can make it easier for yourself the applicant to to fill in that section. Is there such a thing as too much work experience like if you just put down like 15 experiences um, should you like limit it to like a sweet spot um, so I think we do have a restriction on our form as to how many you can put in that section. I can't remember how many, um, is our limit, but you want to include as much as you can. I would say if it's something really old, then those are the things that you can remove unless it's super relevant. So for us, it doesn't have to be legal work experience because we know it's difficult to get legal work experience, especially since COVID and during yeah that time period, not many people had access to that. So we're encouraging you to put in all work experience, experience, which means that you might not have space for everything you've ever done since you were 16. Um, but if you did something when you were 16 that was relevant to the role, then we'd still want you to include it because we're looking at transferable skills. So I would say include as much as you possibly can. And by grouping certain sections, you should be able to get most things in there all right okay that was very informative thank you um mm -hmm. what about do you should you aim to link those experiences to the firm you're applying to at this stage or is that more of like a thing you do in the supplemental questions yeah that's more something you would do in the supplemental questions mm -hmm. um because then you can fully elaborate on it um, mm -hmm. Because for us, the work experience section of the application form at HSF it isn't assessed. We look at it, of course, but it isn't assessed in mm -hmm. that way that we're assessing academics and um, your answers to the supplemental questions. So okay. I wouldn't waste time going into loads of detail there when we have a specific question for that that's what we're going to be focusing on. Mm -hmm. All right. And I guess moving on to the supplemental questions, uh, what I is, I think this is kind of the point where it's kind of the decisive point for candidates, like whether they're shortlisted or um, they don't pass through to the next stage. So it's like, like the most important part, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. And what type of questions do you, can you usually expect to like face at this stage? Yeah, so I can, I can say what we have at HSF and then I can give some other examples of what I've seen at other firms. So for us, we have three questions. The first one is, I think quite unique to, to us as a law firm, which is introduce us to a topic you know about and explain why it interests you. Mm. Um, which is pretty niche because it's quite open-ended and everyone's always asking us, what, what do you want us to write about? Do we write about the law or do we just write about anything? Um, and I can elaborate on that. Uh, 
our other question, which I would say is very common that you find on most uh, application forms is why you're interested in pursuing a career at Hellsmith Freehills. So insert any law firm that you're applying to. There's always going to be a question about why you're applying to that firm, um, why you want a career in commercial law, that kind of law focused question. And then our final question on our application form is what skills, qualities and attributes would you bring to the role? So that's where you're talking about all the things you've done. So highlighting a couple of your um, work experience or extracurriculars to mm -hmm. demonstrate the skills and quality and attributes that we'd look for in a trainee. Um, so each of those questions has a word limit of 300. Um, and I would say most law firm application forms, they have some sort of word limit on those because we have to screen so many um, <laughs> manually it's not there's no AI involved I don't know a law firm that's currently using a computer to screen the application questions considering it's quite important because it's a knockout stage in which people will progress or not progress um so you do have to be really succinct um when answering them do you recommend to fill out the entire word count I would yeah, I mean, you don't have to, like, hit 300. But if you've got 150, <laughs> it's going to look like you didn't put much time and effort into yeah. it. So I would say in this case, do try and fill it out um, as much as possible. And you're probably going to need all the words you can get to fully kind of articulate your answer. So mm -hmm. I, I can't even see how you can answer that question well and have only written 150 or... 200 words yeah do you think there's like a good structure for answering these questions or is it sort of like an individual thing um that every person you know has a different approach to it um i think there is a structure at least at herbert smith freehills that we look for and part of it is how easy it is to read as someone that's screening Mm -hmm. applications so there is a way of, of writing your answer that makes it really easy to follow so for the first question about introduce us to a topic um you we're hoping you're not writing about law because the other two questions are about law we're hoping you're not mentioning hsf because the other two questions are about hsf we just want people to write about a topic that they're generally interested in and the skill that's being assessed here alongside written communication is obviously no spelling or grammar issues, is the skill that lawyers have to have when they're explaining complex things to their clients and having to put it in the most simple, clear, succinct way. Mm. So it's a real skill that we're testing, which is why the topic could be absolutely anything. Um, you don't have to link it back to the firm or commercial law. We just want to see if you can explain something to us um, well in that kind of written format um and then for the why are you interested in x firm why do you want to be in commercial law i think every law firm is looking for it to be super tailored to them so you need to show off the research that you've done on the firm not just you know the home page of the website every law firm has articles and linkedin 
posts and we have an Instagram, we have podcasts, etc. Maybe go beyond just the basics that everyone's kind of writing about to help you stand out. Um, mention specific deals or cases that generally interest you or practice areas or industries that you were working in um, or stuff like pro bono, or ESG, etc. that um, we're heavily involved in um, and is kind of trending at the firm at that time when you're applying. Um, if you've attended any of the firm's events, it's a good time to mention it there or who you spoke to, name drop, why not? Mm -hmm. um, those are the kind of things that we're looking for because those are the things that will fully demonstrate that you're generally motivated to apply to X firm and generally motivated to have a career in commercial law because we're thinking of the long-term investment that a law firm will put into you. We want to make sure this is something you really want to do because, you know, we're paying for you to do the SQE, PGDL, your two-year training contract. We're, we're hoping that by the end you'll still want to stay. So it has to be really tailored. We always say that if we can take out, say, the name of our law firm, Herbert Smith Freehills, and insert any other law firm's name, then it's not a good answer. Yeah. So that's what you're looking for, to really be talking specifically about that firm. We know that, obviously, candidates are applying to multiple firms, um, but we want to feel like, just in that question, that you're only applying to, to us. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess like the key is to put yourself into the shoes of the firm and kind of look at the questions from their perspective. Um, yeah. What about like, I, this is a very niche question, but when you're writing these answers and you want to talk about the firm's practice area, is it worth mentioning that you looked at the rating, like rankings? Um, because I guess the firm will know that they're ranked very high would that be like sufficient evidence or do you want something more convincing um it's okay to include a ranking um uh, but we do want a bit more than that so let's say hsf we're known for disputes let's say one of the reasons why you're interested in a career of us is because of our disputes practice <clears throat> so you can you could start off by saying yeah interested in disputes we're known for disputes were ranked band one and chambers or whatever. And then you would then want to go on to talk about a case or a deal or attending our disputes open day or something more specific. So it can be a good segue just to show, you know, you know us, you know a bit about us, but then we want a bit more because the average candidate will stop at the ranking. But the really good candidates will elaborate a bit further mm. and then link it back to their own interests as well, all within a few sentences. That is a real skill and art that you need to practice. But yeah, we want a bit more than just mentioning the ranking because you're just regurgitating stuff that we already know, like our marketing materials. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. What about like the amount of factors that you would include usually because 300 words is usually quite sh i think short in order to actually encompass all of your motivations for applying to firms you have to be super concise but then yeah. at the same time you do want to show that you like the firm for multiple reasons not just 
one specific reason. Um, what is like the ideal kind of amount of points that you would make? In that section, I would say three. So a hundred mm-hmm. words per point that allows you to have a really full answer. Um, maybe four, uh, but I would I would aim for three. I think some people just do one or two and it's like, oh, is that it? We're doing so much <laughs> as a firm. Is, is it just disputes in corporate? Like, you, I think it's good to mention a practice area, but then also something that's not about our work, mm-hmm. like our practice work. So pro bono or ESG or something else that we're doing on the side as well yeah just to show that duality or something specific about our training contracts so like secondments um or uh being part of the city consortium program or our training business development committee or something a little little different from just our practice areas i think the practice areas are important it's probably one of the main points you want to be making but it's good just to show that duality that you know that we do other stuff as well yeah. Do you have any advice on uh, saving up the word count, though? Because <laughs> it's I understand like the formula is that I guess you would have to write your point and then why it attracts you. You kind of try to go deeper into cases and deals um, and then link it to your personal interests. But that mm-hmm. takes quite a bit of words. <laughs> How do you cut them down? Yeah, I always advise people to just write their answer and then work backwards to try and um, reduce it to the word count. Mm -hmm. I think it's easier that way. Um, And you'll find that you have some kind of, I call them fluffy kind of phrases that you can easily take out and still have that kind of sentiment that you were trying to get across. Um, But I mean, it is hard. I'm, I can't lie, it's, it's hard to fully answer the question in 300 words, but I've seen lots of good answers, so it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for the very valuable advice. Uh, I think I asked most of the questions that I wanted to. If there's any points that you would like to add, um, then, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I was... I realized I didn't really talk about the best way to answer that last question Mm, um, about what skills, qualities and attributes would you bring to the role? So it's quite open-ended. First and foremost, we're referring to the trainee role. Yeah. The role of a trainee at HSF. um, But we don't explicitly say that in the question. So that's something to note. Um, I would just say you could probably talk about, again, three or four skills, qualities, attributes, back everything up with an example we call it give evidence so Mm. i would say the best formula is to mention the skill now it doesn't have to be any there's no specific skill or quality that's going to help you stand out because when you think about what skills do you need to be a good trainee it's going to be the basic things like good (laughs) communication skills good teamwork skills good organization skills it's there's nothing crazy that you know you haven't already thought about so whatever skill it is it doesn't matter so start off with that so um mention the skill 
then give an example. So when a time when you've demonstrated or shown that skill. Uh, so let's say it's communication. It might be when you, I don't know, did some public speaking or you were um, presenting at uni or, I don't know, working um, at the legal advice clinic at your uni and you were talking to a, a witness, trying to get the witness statement or anything. It could literally be whatever example you have and then say this skill is important to the role of a trainee because trainees need to be able to communicate effectively with various stakeholders, e.g. clients, partners, blah, blah, blah. That's the formula that you want. Skill, example, link to role of a trainee. That's the easiest way, again, for us to read it and see that you've understood the question and actually have relevant experience before we then go and see your wider work experience. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important. It doesn't have to be fancy examples, it doesn't have to be fancy skills or qualities. It just has to be clear that you understand the role of a trainee and why we would look for those skills. Okay, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, what about like, I guess this is more like a unrelated question to advice, more of like a technical question. Okay. How do you, is the application stage where most candidates are like, um, I guess like, like, what is is that the most selective stage? Because like you would have the widest pool on that uh, stage. So then, is that the stage where most candidates are rejected and some are shortlisted? Yeah. So I would say so. I can go on to what our recruitment process is, but we have an online test, yeah. and we you have to pass that online test for us to then review your application. We won't mm. review it unless you passed. Um, mm -hmm. I would say. Most people pass the online tests. Um, we have a practice test on our website, which is very similar to the real thing. And I would say that doesn't uh, knock out many people from the process. And you're right, that is the application stage, which is where most candidates struggle and then don't, don't progress further on in our application process. Mainly because we can only run so many assessment centres and that's the next step. So we have to reduce it significantly at that stage. It's very competitive and it, it can be the smallest thing that you put on your application form, um, whether it be around your academics, we answer to those questions, that means that you're not being progressed. Um, so it's really important, really, really important to get it right. So um, kind of wrapping up on the... Into, and going into HSS specifically, mm -hmm. um, you said your application process would be the online form and then the test. And mm -hmm. do you have interviews after that? Or Yeah. So you submit your application form, then you do the online test, which for us is not Watson Glazer. You'll be happy to know it. <laughs> situational judgment, verbal reasoning and behavioral. We call it online blended assessment. You pass that. then. Uh, us and the graduate recruitment team review your applications and then if successful at that stage we then invite you to an assessment centre and at the assessment centre there's three interviews um, 
that you have to do. And then if successful, then you get a place in our vacation scheme. Because for us, and it's true for some other firms as well, we only recruit trainees via our vacation scheme. Um, we don't have a direct training contract application that you can make. Some firms do, we, we don't. And how many places do you have uh, a year on your vacation schemes? Yeah, so we run four vacation schemes a year, one in the winter, which is only for finalists and graduates. And then we have our spring and two in the summer that mm. are for penultimate years as well, penultimate year students. Um, and we take on about 30 on each vacation scheme. Sometimes it's a bit more, could be 31, could be 32, um, but roughly 30 on each vacation scheme. So that's 120 roughly mm-hmm. per per cycle um, that that we see um, on our vacation schemes. And then I would say we have a pretty good conversion rate to training contract um, to get an offer to our training social program at the end of the scheme. We don't have an end of scheme interview. It's mm-hmm. solely based on the quality of the work that you produce whilst you're on um, your vacation scheme. You sit in two seats. Um, and it's also worth noting that our summer schemes are three weeks long, whereas our winter and spring are only two weeks long because people have to go back to uni. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would say once you're at assessment centre and you've made it onto a vacation scheme, you have a pretty good chance at HSF into getting a training contract. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh. What is your reapplying policy? Can you reapply? And how many how much new times can you reapply to HSF? Yeah, so for us, it depends what stage in the application process you've made it to. Mm-hmm. So if you've been knocked out at the online test or application form stage, you can reapply, you know, the next year. You can, you know, there's no kind of limit on that or restriction on that. If you've made it to our assessment centre, you have to wait one re- recruitment cycle before applying again. So let's say you applied to a 2023 vacation scheme. You can't then apply next year to 24, mm. vacation scheme. You have to wait for a 2025 uh, vacation scheme. Um, so it's quite good. We've reduced it recently. So it's actually easier to reapply than it ever has been. I wonder what the reasoning is, like, behind the, if you made it to the assessment centre, you have to wait longer. Um, It's because, essentially, you very recently done the the same thing. So we want you to have time to go away, um, learn, practice, essentially improve, so mm. that when you come back the next time, you're, you're so ready. Um. Because especially if you're in your penultimate year, you're never going to, well, we have some outstanding penultimate year candidates, but the likelihood is you'd do better when you were a graduate because you you have more knowledge, more experience, you've done more interviews at that point, etc. So we want to give people that time to, when they come back the second time, to, to have a better chance at performing well, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then you would have to do the online like the proper full application again. Yeah. 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 Okay. What about like, do you review applications on a rolling or a non-rolling basis? 
not on a rolling basis. So we wait until the deadline um, to review all of applications. So at the moment, I'm reviewing our winter vacation scheme, 2023 applications. Mm. They closed on the 1st of October and then we started reviewing all of them. Um, and mm. then for spring and summer, they close on the 1st of December and then we'll review all of them. So you might have applied months <laughs> before we've even looked at your application. So there is an element of patience there because yeah. you're not going to hear back from us for for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I guess this is kind of the question that most people would want to answer uh, the answer to, but what does HSF value in their candidates? Uh, yeah, my my answer to this is probably a bit annoying. So I always say we're looking for a well-rounded candidate. <laughs> so obviously it doesn't mean you have to be perfect and amazing at everything. But the idea is that, you know, you you have strong academics and um, you you have all the skills that we look for. So like I said, the skills you'd need to be a trainee, organized, um, articulate, good critical thinking, good analytical skills, a logical methodical approach to things, et cetera, et cetera. You'd have all of those key skills. Um, but then one of the things that is really important that a lot of candidates forget about is the people skills side of things. So we often get at assessment center stage um assessors saying oh i'm not sure if i would feel comfortable putting them in front of a client i introducing them to a client because it's important that you have those people skills um you know emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. really know how to communicate um with someone that maybe you haven't met before that is quite senior that kind of thing um i would say hsf our partners are really approachable um and friendly which which is makes it easier let's say you were to come on the vacation scheme you you probably yeah speak to partners all the time and <laughs> develop a relationship but then when it's with a client that's really important so that's another element that kind of fits that well-rounded um thing that we look for and then people that are just eager to learn yeah. um just proactive in getting on with things, looking for work, getting involved, like I said, in things outside of the day-to-day that show that commitment to the firm. Um, so our networks or pro bono, I mean, you have to do pro bono, but actually wanting to do it <laughs> and enjoying it. I mean, those are the kind, those are the kind of things that make a well-rounded trainee. Yeah. Um, so it's lots of different elements, but as long as you're keen to learn, good at listening, um, can follow instructions, et cetera, and work really hard um, and really want it, then you do, you do well here. We always say there's no kind of cookie cutter HSF trainee or HSF lawyer, and you'll see that in our cohorts. Everyone is very different personality-wise, introverted, extroverted, different backgrounds, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. But the one thing is that they're all just really... I would say keen <laughs> and yeah. eager to learn. Yeah, I mean, those are qualities that are definitely good to have just, you know, as a person. Yeah. I exactly. guess they kind of lead to success, you know, wherever you decide to go. Um, 
and I guess, like as a last point, uh, would you recommend getting interaction with a firm before you apply there? Um, you know, open yeah. days, events. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. People always say, how do I stand out as a candidate? Go to one of our events and mm. put that on your application form and you'll instantly stand out because obviously we have thousands of people applying. Majority haven't been to open day, mm. uh, haven't been to an event, haven't met anyone from the firm, haven't spoken to anyone from the firm. So have nothing to talk about. Um, it also allows you to to get to know us culture-wise, um, if you come from our events and get more of an inside um, kind of exposure to what it's really like. Um, yeah. So it's beneficial for both parties. So definitely attend open days, events, whether they be on campus or at the firm office. Um, mm-hmm. It's invaluable, honestly. The, the takeaway that students get, whether you're successful in an application process or not, I think is invaluable. Is it, do you have to go to an open day or can you just go to like any events that you host? Any events that we host, mm. yeah. Okay. Any. And do you have any open right now, like for applications? Yeah, so we have a couple of um, virtual events and then we have um, actual in-office open days. So the deadline for our like main open days is actually the 13th of October. So youths, black talent um, and digital open days, they close Mm -hmm. very soon. But we have university specific open days at at least 20 universities where you can come into the office and have an open day solely for students from said university. Um, Then we have our, what we call kind of FaceTime events, which are both virtual. Mm -hmm. One is like a trainee panel and one is a grad rec panel. Um, I'll actually be on it. There, one's on the 20th of October, and the other one, I think, is the week after that. Um, and you can apply now on our website, and you just register, and you get to go. There's no application form or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have our Inside the Headlines events, is when we talk about key recent cases that we worked on, and we'll have a panel of the team that worked on said case and um, they'll explain it, you can answer questions and that's a hybrid event. So you can join in person in our London office or you can just join virtually online. Um, And we have two coming up, one on the 25th of October, one on the 26th of October that you can register for on our website as well. So we're doing a lot in that space and then first year opportunities um open in January um if you're a first year no it's amazing how many opportunities there are (laughs) to get involved it's it's great yeah Um, doing a lot (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but yeah thank you so much for coming um to my podcast episode today um I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope you did too and I there was a lot of, you know, valuable advice given. Um, yeah, so, yeah, thank you so thank much. Thank you for having me. Um, <laughs> it's been really enjoyable to just kind of talk through everything and um, dispel myths and <laughs> <laughs> just be hopefully really helpful to anyone interested in applying to law firms um, yeah. in, the, in the future. But yeah, thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Mika.
And that's a wrap for today's episode. Big thanks to our guests for joining us. I'm sure our listeners soaked up some awesome insights. Your thoughts and feedback mean the world to us, so if you're eager to contribute, leave a review or drop your suggestions for upcoming episodes. Join the Suit Up community on LinkedIn where your insights can shape the future of our discussions. And before you go, remember that a guest-curated list of recommendations will be waiting for you in the episode description and on our LinkedIn page. So until next time, keep those ambitions high, dream higher, and remember, the journey to success is always better when you suit up. <laughs>